I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to the Horse Hour podcast. I'm your host, Amy Stevenson, and today I talk to Lisa, who's the founder of the Equus Film Festival based in New York. We discuss her experience working in the film industry with her beautiful Lusitano horses. We try to educate. We have a film that has been submitted to the film festival called Born to Die, which is about the nursemare foal industry. It's something we need to use the power of this community of horse lovers together to say, this is enough. This is Horse Hour. It looks very busy in the background there. Oh, you know, it's the office for the horse. We have horses too. Um, We raise Lusitano horses. So this is our show office as well. And then somewhere in the back are the my two photo bombs who might pop up every once in a while i have jack russell's in here so (laughs) they're they're very funny so so you train and show lusitano yeah we breed them we raise them from uh, babies we have usually two or three foals a year and then we sell them train them and sell them wow how long have you been doing that for about 10 years now so it's it's really fun that's i love it it's my stress reliever and did you ever compete yourself I did eventing, not at the higher levels, and some dressage, and we now practice classical dressage. Yeah. So we do a lot of French classical dressage training, the work in hand, all the ladder, you know, all the basic work with the, all our babies start in the long reins before they're ever backed, and you know, now we've just started to get into the new sport of working equitation, which is bigger on your side of the pond than it is here we're trying to get it going here well I've heard a lot about that but I don't know much about equitation what's the difference it's like a trail class on steroids so you have going over a little bridge and you have working poles and you have working barrels and cattle some of them have cattle work in them you have a dressage phase and you have a speed phase so think of it as uh in a in a scoring like a event mm-hmm. like score three-day eventing but with the working equitation it's on your position it's on how you and the horse work together it it really it doesn't matter the tack it the tack has rules where you know you're whatever country you're from you ride in your country at the upper level it, your country's attire but in the lower levels Kids at horse shows can compete as novice riders in mm-hmm. English saddles, Western saddles, dressage saddles. They can compete bareback if they want to. All together in the same division, they're scored on their ability and their horse's ability, which is really, really great because it takes out that 
you know, some of that other pressure and lets all the kids compete together. Yeah. So it's really cool. I mean, if you've ever seen, you know, you didn't, I would Google it. Um, YouTube has some amazing clips. It's very big in Portugal. It's big in Germany, big in France. It'll become a world equestrian game sport. So is it more then about the relationship between you and the horse rather than what you look like? Well, it's of course it's about the relationship and it's about your skill. You you know, you can't advance unless you're, you're you have the skill. Um, where in American western riding, pole bending is getting around each pole or barrel racing is getting out there and getting around the barrels in the right pattern. In working equitation, it's about the correct tempi changes between each pole, and the the barrels are done more like a clover leaf with exact lead changes in the exact spot, and your cue is to be just right. I mean, it's very technical, and you're you're scored technically, so it's really really good for you know your riding skills. So what made you then get into that from eventing? Because it sounds very different. Fun. Well, it is and it isn't. You know, you get to a point in eventing and the jumps are get big mm. and solid. And you go, okay, I'm at a certain age. And I just uh, <laughs> got over having a surgery for two broken bones in my arm from a, in the barn accident. Um, two horses coming down the aisle, I couldn't get out of the way, and they literally bent my arm backwards. Oh. So, you know, you think about those things as you get older, And but working equitation is kind of like combined driving. It's exciting without as much risk mm-hmm. as venting is. And it's still on the technical, and it's, you know, you're still judged for your ability to ride, like with eventing. So it's it's exciting. I think it'll probably evolve into more of the riders who don't want to go as extreme as eventing, but find dressage, dressage showing kind mm-hmm. of boring. Yeah. So this has kind of everything all together, and there's a little jump in it, and you go over a bridge, and you open gates, and it's very fun. It's it's a lot of it's a lot of fun. <laughs> Sounds awesome. <laughs> you need to look at one of the YouTube clips. Uh, Pedro Torres, who's from Portugal, is an amazing writer. He's about the best in the world. And it's it's exciting to watch him ride. It's like he's like magic with his horse. So we all want to be like that, don't we? We're trying to pick up the different tips to to take them to, you know, learning the tricks like, right, right. you know, even just even just getting through a gate. That's hard enough. Exactly. Exactly. The correct way too. you know, making the horse stand there, turn and all of that. It all comes down to your legs. It all comes down to dressage moves. Everything is classically ridden from the seat and legs. It doesn't matter whether you're opening a gate or going over a bridge or turning a po- around a pole. It's all coming from your seat and your legs. Mm-hmm. So when you apply all your classical riding, which is basically what every ri- type of riding comes back to being walk, trot, canter in a classical seat, you know, it's... It, it works. So, Lisa, what do you find the differences then between standard dressage riding, for example, and classical? Because I hear classical being bantered around a lot, and and I'm fascinated with it. In and I've talked about it many times before. In like the 1800s, there are quotes from amazing riders, and they well, talk yeah. about the classical arts. And you can put that now into today's society and take that classical riding, and it still it still seems to work. It it does. Um, think of. And, and I got, I'll, this will come back to haunt me. <laughs> German is very mechanical. Mm-hmm. German dressage, everyone knows that. It is very technical. Classical dressage is like 
poetry. Yeah. You're making music with the horse. Everything is about lightness. Everything is about a true connection with the horse through balance and your cues, your aids are so soft and so subtle and there's no brutality. There's no roll curve. The horses get there through knowing what you're doing with them. Mm. And they they love their work. You can we trained with Dominique Barbier and you can watch him take a horse and just put that horse in working in hand on a long line against a wall and he'll just piaf mm. the most beautiful, soft, poetic like and then Dominique will just go la and the horse will just stop and walk on. Like there's no stress <laughs> involved. It's like, okay, I can piaf for 20 minutes. We just had um, a video clip up on our Facebook page yesterday, which was from Mexico. It was a, a horse standing in training poles um, that where they have the horse tied to the pillars. Mm-hmm. So the horse is chained to a pillar and there's a man on either side and each man has a stick and they're tapping the front leg, back leg, front leg, back leg on each side of the horse to make that horse pee off, which is absolutely the wrong way to train a horse to pee off ever, 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 ever. But I had it posted up because I was trying to show the differences in the way people train around the world. And sometimes it's right and sometimes it's wrong. But until people comment to those people or or say, hey, that's not the way to do this. There's a better way. There's a different way. And I think that's what classical comes back to is that it is a different way and people are finding so much more interconnection with their horses and not wanting to get on a horse and put all the devices on the horse and you know the big bits and the 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 martingales and the draw mm-hmm. reins and the this and the that and tie them all crank them all in you can achieve that through training the right way I think the problem is our lives are so busy and we're so time limited that people get impatient and they just want to be able to get on and, and make the horse piaf. And, and it's actually, it takes years of training. It's you're, We're constantly training. Right, right, exactly. I tell my students, every time you touch a horse, you're training the horse. It doesn't matter whether you're just walking the horse outside to go to a pasture or you're asking the horse to move away from you as you put grain in their stall. You are training the horse. You're you're reinforcing behavior. You're, everything is about that horse learning. So it's it's really kind of cool when you think of it that way that, you know, these horses are so willing to give and give and give to us. Mm-hmm. And, and they give us so much more than we even know because we're just on the cusp, I think, as a, a general group of riders of of getting to that next level with the horses. Um, in your country, you have Emma Massengill. I, I'm just in love with her. I think she's done some amazing, amazing things with the horses, and she's she's done it with through kindness, and everything's at liberty. And the horses want to work with her. We have um, Frederick Pignon. You've got mm-hmm. Bartabas. You have, you know, we have. We're very lucky. We've got some amazing shows with Cavalier, and then with what Bartabas has in France. Oh, Cavalier is just phenomenal. Yeah. Right, but Frederick Pignon, who's in France, there started Cavalier, and he's still traveling, doing the other shows, and he's been doing this for a long time. He has a beautiful book out called Gallop to Freedom, and all of his writing and everything is, comes back to being based on classical 
training classical dressage. And they raise Lusitanos on their family farm. I mean, it's just, it comes back to the basics. And that's what people forget about is the basics. And when you learn how to get the basics and make them work, it's actually just as much fun as all the rest of it. You know, get teaching a horse, teaching a horse how to work for you in long reins and doing shoulder in and haunches in when you're not even sitting on them. That's a pretty cool thing to do. So, yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. How do you do it with the huge Lusitanas that you have? Because my horse is like over well over 16 hands and I'd love to do more in hand work, but trying to teach him and get my hand around his neck. <laughs> it's quite hard. Well, you're not you're not around their neck at first. And Lusitanos breed standard wise, Lusitanos really shouldn't be above sixteen one. In the America we're breeding them bigger they they are breeding them bigger. We're not. We try to get the breed standard, which is between fifteen two and sixteen hands. Um we have maybe a couple of fifteen hands and a couple that might be 16-1, but for the most part, we're right in that mid-range. They are a working horse. They're the cow horse, for the lack of a better word, in Portugal. They're the farm horse um, that just happens to have a lot of really cool buttons, where your Andalusians like a Mercedes sedan, Mm -hmm. your Lusitano's like a Porsche or a Ferrari. It's just that's how push-button they are. But when you start with the long reins, you go from um, a lunge, one lunge rein to a, a, a rein on the other side, and they learn, and you're walking behind them before you're ever up on top of them, close to them. And then it's the rein is over the, the top of the back, so you're never having to reach over like mm-hmm. that. So it's it's really, really fun to do. <laughs> and, and what about the, the type of breed then? I guess their personality, because I always imagined them to be quite highly strong because they're, they're so beautiful and graceful with their movements. But I, I've never worked with a Lusitano, so I, I wouldn't know, but I just imagine them to be a little bit like Arabs. They they are, but not as hot. They're bred to, where an Arab is bred to go and go and go and go, a Lusitano is bred to go and stop and listen for its owner. They mm. are bred to save your life in a bull ring. They're the cattle horse. They're the bullfighting horse. So if you most bullfighting horses or pictures of bullfighting horses you will have seen will have been Lusitano horses or a cross between a Lusitano and a Arab, which is called a Hispano Arabe, or a cross between a Lusitano and an Andalusian horse, which is called a Spanish Portuguese horse. They're the ones because they move, they they're they can go lateral, they can just they're just so agile, but their temperaments we have I have six stallions here at the farm right now wow Uh, some babies but each one has their own individual personality each one is other than our two main older stallions has been bred here and hand raised here and if you look on our facebook or my facebook page i have pictures of them sitting on bean bags (laughs) with their babies because i do full training with them so they've all been handled since they were babies Everyone is a gentleman. Everyone is well-mannered. My big stallion, I can ride him in a parade next to um, a mare. So they just, they're so in tune with the rider. Um, What was the movie? There was a movie that was out um, where they kind of, they had this, it was a science fiction movie, and they would get on their kind of horsey-looking 
object and they would plug avatar hmm. and they plug into the horse or to this being and it would take off with them that's what riding a lusitano is like when you sit on them it feels like they just connect with you like they become almost one with you they're they're just so living and breathing for whatever you ask of them it's an amazing breed right i can hear your passion in it so <laughs> well, the babies the babies can be a day old or two days old when we start you know when i start working with them and i take them out of the stall and put them back in the stall and they'll stand on a little pedestal so when the vet comes, they know that if they stand on that box, it's safe for them and the vet can work them and they're not dancing all over. And they're just so willing to please from the beginning. Do you think that's to do with their breeding, though, or more to do with the fact that you've hand raised them and that you've they trust you as a person? It's both. It's both. Mm-hmm. Um, this breed tends to be more absorbent of any kind of training. Um, all horses will learn, but... A Lusitano tends to learn right away and want to learn more. So there's the lack. You don't have to do all that repetition. It's like, okay, once or twice, I got it. What's next? Mm-hmm. And that's that's what's the challenge is constantly finding new things to keep their mind engaged. And so that is what people associate with them being hotter because you're, you have to constantly keep them engaged and working. So what sort of things do you do with your stallions and, and your Lusitanes? Well, we did, used to do, I used to do it before the film festival started. I used to do a lot more exhibition work. We did the World Games when it was at, um, in Lexington, Kentucky. Went down and did the exhibition riding in their um, international village for all the guests that were here from all over the world. And we did that kind of stuff with them. Um, pleasure riding and do a little bit of working act but i don't have enough time anymore <laughs> keeping up with the films and the art and the books now and yeah uh, we're traveling and all of that so because that's what you've actually come to talk to us about is the equus film festival <laughs> so that i gather is from you're so passionate about horses did you become passionate about the film industry as well you know i and i think everyone that loves horses every little girl that's been in love with horses has loved whatever horse movie the younger generation is very lucky because they've had the ability to see things on vcr or dvd when they're you know they like really like a movie they can watch it as many times when i was growing up there would be you know once a year like Snowfire would be on Family Classics, and I would wait, or my friend Flicka, I would wait for that and just watch that TV for that, you know, because I loved anything that had to do with horses. And now with our film festival, what has happened is there are so many amazing equine stories out there that wouldn't make it past a computer or someone's home screen TV because. A lot of film festivals won't take them because they're horse content. It might be the best story that there is about a wounded warrior program using horses, a great documentary, but because it has horses, a lot of film festivals say, no, no, we, you know, it's too, too horsey for our audience. So when we put together the idea of having a film festival for just horse films, it started with one film that a friend of mine named Rupert Isaacson, who did The Horse Boy, his son has autism, and he used horses to help his son come back into the world. Uh, they went to Outer Mongolia to, on a ride with the shaman to, to try to bring and reconnect. And what he's found with his research 
is that the rocking motion when you're cantering on a horse that rocking motion releases chemicals in the brain of children with autism wow and it helps calm them and settle them it's really really important work that rupert and his team are doing and so i wanted everyone i knew to be able to see this film because it's an important film for autism there's so many kids so many more now than I ever remember are autistic. Mm. Whether we find out it's from vaccines or whatever, something's wrong. And so this story, I wanted people to see it. And we were putting on a smaller uh, horse event in town, uh, mounted a lot of mounted riders and that. And we have a small theater in the town that I live in called St. Charles. And the owner happens to be a friend. And I asked him if I could show a film on the weekend to get people to go do something in town and not go home. And he's like, oh, sure, we're not doing anything that weekend. <laughs> it's a beautiful old theater, great old marquee outside and everything. And so I said, well, what if I get a few more films? He said, oh, that's okay. I'll get you a guy to help run them. So I worked on getting some films. We ended up with 30 films the first year, and we ran the Little Film Festival, and it was very, very well received. Um had amazing work we, from all over. We had a filmmaker come in from England who did a movie called The Equestrian. I'm sure you've mm -hmm. heard of it. Silver Bar is her name. And it was like, wow. So I was contacted by a group that we were talking about doing some partnership stuff with and thought about doing taking it somewhere bigger in the U.S. So we took it to New York the next year. And we this will be going into our third year in New York City now. You can't um, get much bigger than New York City, can no. you? No. And... For these film, for it's very rewarding to watch the filmmakers who have worked so hard. Because if you think I'm passionate about horses, you should talk to people who make the films, and their film is their child. And for them to be able to go into and sit in a theater and see that on a big screen and feel the power that it has with the audience, it, there's nothing like it. And so we've given them that platform, and we'll be moving it into a platform where pretty soon you'll be able to go online under Equus Film Festival and watch all of those movies. So it'll help the filmmakers all along. That would be so amazing. That would be incredible because that's great, not just for equestrians, but also, for example, my partner. He's not an equestrian. He's only sat on a horse once. But I introduce him to horse films and he gets the same emotion and the same right. kind of feeling that right. I get. We watched uh, Dark Horse. Have you seen Dark Horse? Yeah, I'm trying to get Dark Horse for the festival this year. Oh, my goodness. Well, I interviewed Janet Vokes, who is, it's all about her. She, she bred Dream Alliance. Um, absolutely lovely, lovely, fascinating lady. So I said to my other half, you've got to watch this film. And he's like, oh, horses again. I've got Cavalia. I've got the DVDs. I've got everything. I was like, no, no, please, <laughs> please watch it with me. Well, by the end, he's crying. And I looked oh, at him yeah. and said, have you got, are you crying? He's like, no, there's something in my eye. I was like, no, no, I, I, <laughs> I think you're crying. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, but it's just so emotional. Like I can totally right. understand now the connection that you have with horses. You know, the, you can see that she's so connected with it. And I think for people that aren't in the equestrian industry, they can feel that, that feeling that we get all the time. Exactly, exactly. And the beautiful thing about what we're going to do with the online platform is we're going to be able to introduce these filmmakers into an independent film platform. So 
all of a sudden where it's only been for horse people, we're going to be able to take it out to the next level and take it to an indie platform as well as a horse platform. So we'll be on two different locations for this work to be seen because it's we had 155 films last year from commercials and music videos to I think I had 47 feature length documentaries and regular films that were amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, next week, well, I'm going this weekend down to Lexington to see the Rolex, and we have um, Kentucky Horse Park has two beautiful theaters down there that Post Time Productions is going to be partnering with Equus Film Festival, and we'll be screening winners from the Equus Film Festival at the Kentucky Horse Park all year round. So if there's a, a jumping event, we'll do jumping movies those evenings on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So people after the show can actually go to the theater and see horse films mm. right at the horse park. So it, that'll run all year long now. So that's another great thing for our filmmakers that they can do that. Have you got Harry and the Snowman? Actually, I'm taking Harry and Snowman's going to be in um, Baltimore, Maryland with um, I'm taking seven, six other films with us. It's a one evening event, but there'll, there'll be Harry and Snowman. And um, and can you just explain what Harry and Snowman's about? Because I'm so excited about this coming out into the UK. Well, it's about a horse that got rescued off of a slaughter truck. And I, I know you guys know what slaughter is there. We have an awful slaughter industry here where the horses no longer are slaughtered in this country, but they go either to Mexico or Canada. And he rescued the horse for $80. The The original book was called The $80 Champion. And he took the horse off the truck and made him a world-famous show jumper. It's just an amazing story. It's beautifully done. Ron Davis is the director. He did a great job of it. And it's just one of those you're crying, you cry, you'll cry a lot through this one. <laughs> um, so that that's coming and do you get to meet with the people that, um, that use the horses as well in the films? Because they, once, I, I'm addicted to Black Beauty. Black Beauty is just, oh, my! I always wanted my Black Beauty. And um, actually, funnily enough, when I bought, I've got a black horse. When I bought him, his I had one <laughs> just because. His name was Jack Daw. When I bought him, his name was Jack Daw. And you know how you can't change a horse's name completely, otherwise it's bad luck? So I was like, I've got to include Jack in there somehow. So because he's black and because his name was Jack Daw, I called him Black Jack. Mm-hmm. Um, about a month after I bought him, my friend phoned me and said, you need to watch Black Beauty. I said, what are you talking about? I've watched it a million times. And she said, no, 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 watch it because you will not believe what you have done. So I was like, okay. So I I know the film inside out. So I sat and watched the movie. And then there's this section where the taxi driver has just bought Black Beauty. And he's naming him. And he says, I'm going to call you Black because you are. And Jack because of the old one. And the horse is called This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Blackjack. Well, Lisa, I'm in floods of tears going, I've actually got my black beauty after all these years. That's very cool. <laughs> and without, not even on purpose, by accident. Anyway, so I'm watching Black Beauty and I'm thinking, this horse is incredibly talented. I mean, how do they get it to rear on demand and to lie down and all the, you know, all the tricks that he can do? And I actually ended up researching who the owner is and who trained that horse. And the horse is called Justin. And um, and the owner is Rex Peterson, who's the Hollywood horse trainer. So he... Yeah, famous horse trainer. So he trains loads of horses, along with Carrie Swanson, who just did A Winter's Tale. Um, and they that's what they do for a living. They have their horses and they train them for movies. It's that sort of thing that I would find fascinating to watch, you know, documentaries of how they train those horses to get them into films. Is that something yeah. that you do you get to see? We, I, I don't get to see it then, but we have a lot, actually from the UK is a company called Equine Productions. Mm -hmm. They just submitted another six films for the festival this year. They are who works with Emma Massengill. And they did, have you seen her Island Project yet? No, no, I haven't. Island Project. Oh, my God. It, and you have it there. It's, you're, it's available to see there. It's an amazing documentary on her and six, I think six or seven Connemara ponies. And she takes them to an island. They leave her for a month and she trains two of them that had never worked with her before with her regular team of horses completely at liberty. Oh, wow. It's a powerful documentary. But they have a couple of films and they they have things available on their um, Vimeo page that you can watch almost all of their short documentaries. And they have a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff that happens. Mm. They just did a brand-new commercial that they submitted to our festival, which is horses going out in the barn at night, and they open their own door, and three of these horses get together, and they go to the track, and they go racing alone at night. It's really a great commercial. And um, they entered that in our commercial division, and it just came out last week. So very, very cool. Though. Did you see the Lloyd's TSB advert that came out? Yeah. So what were your thoughts? Because the first original advert they did with the black horse, I, I had so much feedback from people saying, you know, they're really connected to it. And it, it, again, I'm a bit emotional, but it did make me feel a little bit teary watching oh it. Oh I still watch it. I love it. I love the first one. But the second one, we were all waiting in anticipation for that one to come out. How did you feel? Because I felt slightly disappointed. I would. I, it was beautiful because of the horse running, running, but it didn't have, they didn't use the poetry that they used in the first one. And that's what happens when you get too many marketing chefs in a kitchen hmm. that they take away from a great storyline. Budweiser did it this year with the Super Bowl commercial. Mm -hmm. 
everyone waited and waited. Have you ever seen any of the Budweiser Super Bowl commercials with the Clydesdale horses? They're phenomenal. Yeah. Well, so this year, everyone's waiting to see the Budweiser commercial in the Super Bowl, and all they had was about three seconds of smoke coming up out of the bottom, and you see horses' legs, and then you see some of the are the harness on the horse, and you see the horse, and then it goes into the brewery and how they make the beer and all of this. That was their commercial, and they, as far as I was concerned, you know, they totally screwed up on that one because people wait. It's one time a year. You have a rapt audience watching. And then you don't take you you disrespect the audience that got you to where you are, and where else other than with horse films? And I'm sure like with a really cool car ad or a really cool dog ad or something, can people take and um, rewatch and reshare that? You can take a ten year old Budweiser commercial, put it onto Facebook, and it has a whole nother couple million hits again. You know, people reshare your ad that you've made money off of time and time again. It's not costing you another cent Mm -hmm. because people take it and do it because they're in love with it. And that's what happened with the Lloyd's first commercial. People, I'm still sharing it on our Facebook page. Because you connect Um, to it. What they did, I think, was they got that emotional connection that we have with our horses and they portrayed that in an advert. They paid respect to the horse. They they showed the horse through history and how we wouldn't be where we are without the horse. The other really great commercial was the um, it was for water from Germany and where the horse is running and running and he falls into the ice and then he comes back up out of the ice and that's a beautiful. I haven't commercial. seen that I'll, one. I'll share it on your Facebook page. Oh, thank you. It's absolutely gorgeous. And they have a behind the scenes so they show how it was all filmed with the with the green screen and that so that people don't worry about the horse. Because you've got to worry all the time on, you know, what are people gonna say. Mm. Would you ever use any of your horses for T V and film work? We've done a little bit with a couple of our stallions, some different stuff if if it comes up around here. But yeah, um because we have the really pretty horses with the that breed. And I tra- my trainer that I work with, he gets a, does a lot of that kind of stuff because he has some Faresians and Andalusians and Lusitanos. And everybody wants the horses with the big hair and mm-hmm. beautiful black Faresians and that. But we're outside of Chicago, so I don't get – there's not a lot of TV calls here, but um, Mario usually will get them in. <laughs> Mine's a Frisian. Oh! <laughs> no, he's, he's actually a Frisian cross Gelderlander. He's still a heavy horse. Oh, yes. A Gelderlander is a heavy horse? Yeah, yeah, not as heavy. The Gelderlander tends to have um, slimmer, finer legs. So he okay. has the beauty of the, the big, lovely, um, bendy head and beautiful. He's just stunning, um, but slightly finer legs. Um, but he was gelded. And what I found fascinating is if a Frisian's gelded, they turn brown over time. So he's got a lot of brown in him and underneath him. And it's the stallions that stay pure black. Huh, I didn't know that. Yeah, once they're gelded. I did not. I thought it was um, more so with having to do with leaving them out in the sunshine because that's why they leave 
they usually bring the ones in the herds in in during the day and put them back out in the evening it's that as well but if they're gelded then they really really because he's gone really brown on his nose and under his uh, under his belly but it was a it was a breeder a frisian a uk frisian breeder that actually drove drives frisian horses and i said they're so black how can you how do you keep them like that and he said one keep them out of the sun but two they're still stallions because as soon as they're gelded they tend to lose their color and also they don't grow their manes don't grow as long when they're gelded so now right. I know that our mares and, and our geldings don't have the same manes that the stallions have, that's for sure. Hair extensions, they're amazing. <laughs> Clip in hair extensions and he looks like he's got a lovely long stallion mane. <laughs> so Lisa, tell me more about this festival then. When, when is the Equus Film Festival? This year it's November 17th, 18th and 19th and then we also are on Sunday we take people on tours of the carriage horse stables in New York City. Mm. So the films themselves run on Friday and Saturday, and we have a big um, win. We call our awards the Winnie Awards. So we have our Winnie Awards <laughs> ceremony on Saturday night, and then take people on tours so that people can see the real side of the carriage horse industry because it's a big controversy in New York. Yes, because when I was in New York a few years ago, I went to see the carriage horses and they, they were so beautiful, very, very well looked after, but people were protesting at the time oh, against they, them. They protest every day because those people don't have anything better to do. Um, there's there's PETA will protest anything having to do with the horses not being left alone. So they're who protest the horses all the time. But these horses are so well cared for mm. in um, New York, the ones that are out. It's it's amazing how well they care for them. So And they only and work certain... Sorry, go on. No, no, no. They, they, yeah, they only work certain hours. They only have... Uh, can work in certain temperatures. They have to have like five weeks off every summer and they go to a special farm. Each horse has a log book that the inspectors can come in and look at any time. So if anything, it's what we should all have as equestrian owners to make sure that all our exactly. horses are looked after well enough. Right. Well, our horses here are, are kind of on the, okay, we work when we, you know, when Lisa has time schedule. <laughs> they're not getting enough work right now. So it's interesting how you have trainers as well, because so you get help with the training too. You don't, you're not expected to right. do it all yourself. Well, I, and I'll bring the horses to a certain point, but again, you know, that break it, you, you break at this at you when you get a little older. And so that sitting on the young stallions, I would rather have, I'd rather have them ready. And the first time somebody sits on a young stallion, it be someone else, but my mares and the geldings we do I do all the starting work with I'll get on them the first time in that but you just I, I need a spotter and I'm here most of the time working the horses by myself so that's but not safe just, Lisa you need somebody there. I have, well I have working students but uh, to have a professional with you you know another mm. professional when you're starting young horses it's still it's it's a good safety little safety thing to have <laughs> do you ever get scared still I no, I wouldn't call scared I'm I'm Always, and especially now with just getting over having the arm, um, I'm a little more protective. Mm-hmm. But um, no, I. You, you, it's like if you treat the horses right, they treat you right. It it's a respect thing. Um, and I've been around stallions. I think sometimes my that the mares can be more 
misbehave than the stallions can be so mm, i've been thrown against fences up against stable walls by mares but geldings right. are just like oh okay they might spook a little bit but generally they've been quite cool <laughs> well it was my mares putting my mares in the barn they got my arms so it was like and it was just oh, they saw something that was wrong and flipped right back and it was like oh i can't go anywhere get flat um is this true i'm gonna ask you now um i went to a show jumping yard and they had a stallion there and i wear a lot of perfume and he said don't go too near him with perfume on because the perfume is like an arousing uh, smell for stallions and he might jump you and i was like really well i yeah i don't i don't know about the perfume but i know um stallions know when you're having uh your period they just you have to be aware that they're very aware of that going on and their behavior might be a little different and you might have a little, you might have to work them a little bit differently than when you're not. I mean, they're, you know, you go, what's wrong with you today? Oh, that's what it is. You know, okay, I forgot. <laughs> Men can't deal with us. So stallions definitely won't be. No, exactly. exactly. The stallions are the same way. And do you ever have moments with your mares? I hear a lot of, of people that have owned, I've never owned a mare, but pe- friends of mine who have owned mares have said that when they are at that time, they can be really, really highly strung. And they've used things like karmas and certain feed to try to calm them down. And I thought, is that a good way to make them calm or should it be done by, I don't know, what do you think? Raspberry leaves. Really? <laughs> what is, there's a, it comes, it's freeze-dried. It's um, You can get it with a holistic horse feed supply or our little feed store has it, but it works great for the mares. Um, keeps them just that little, takes that little bit of an edge off of the little moodier mares, but yes, they get really moody. So you lighten their feed, give them a little more hay, then mm. concentrate and go. and would that work for geldings as well raspberries if they were a little bit highly strung yeah i'm sure it would it's a, it would work it works for people you know it's just uh, make a calming tea is raspberry leaves so i need some of that then well you know you when you look at when you look at it holistically what they you know if it works for us it might work for the horses you know that's the better way to try so how can we look at equus film festival and have you got a website we have, it's www.equusfilmfestival.net mm-hmm. um, for the website. And we have our Facebook page, which is Equus Film Festival. I noticed in your news feed that there were some horses that have been rescued and now they're going for auction over right. your way. Yeah, they just did that. Um, they rescued the horses in February and we kind of followed the story um, on our Facebook page. And now the horses are going to the judge ordered a sale so that they can get their money back because the this county's been keeping them. The original judge said this person can't ever have another animal again. So and they had loads, didn't they? They had gypsy vanners, oh Andalusians, Frisians. Right, right. It, beautiful horses, and they let them just go. I mean, they were in terrible shape when they got them. So, um, and then we've had a lot going on this past week because last weekend they had a horse show in. Panama City, Florida, which they, one of the things we're trying to, to do away with here is what something called the big lick, which is where they put pads on the horse's feet that are about five inches tall that they can fill up with lead. Mm-hmm. And they can also put like marbles and stuff in between that hoof and that pad. And then they put so, our chemicals on the legs to 
aggravate the legs and then they put heavy chains on and they go into the show ring like and this is for the tennessee walking horses the tennessee walking horses and the american saddlebred horses and the morgan horses and the arabian saddle seat horses so all of them do these pads still have these pads legal so we're trying to get that so it's been a lot of attention and it has just lit up the facebook facebook is kind of like crazy right now because of the you know all of the controversy going on with that so what can we do to help just constantly keep talking about it just like with the pmu mayors i can post up the yesterday i put up a bunch of pictures that we pulled offline of um the pmu mayors and i had a handful of people say to me i had no idea what's a pmu mayor pregnant mare urine that they make hormone replacement therapy out of oh my god it's one of the biggest drugs biggest things in the drug industry and women going through menopause hmm. prescribed it's sometimes it's premier and sometimes it goes by all different kinds of names but it is derived from pregnant mare urine <gasps> they line these mares up in and they're doing a lot of the farming now is in china because they can do it behind closed doors but they stand the entire time they're pregnant hooked up to a catheter they mm. are fed and watered well because they have to keep the water going usually i mean keep the, the pee coming they're usually draft mares and quarter mares because they have bigger bladders and as soon as the foal's born and they rebreed that mare the foal goes and becomes either a hide because mm. they can't take them to slaughter because they're too young to go to slaughter. It's illegal to take anything under six months to slaughter. So they actually just kill them and sell the hide. Mm. Um, I, it's an awful, awful, awful industry, and people don't know about it. So um, the, the idea is to get doctors to say, no, I'm not going to prescribe this drug anymore. And you'll find with research that it's one of the most prescribed drugs for women in going through menopause that there is. And all of it is based on pregnant mare urine for hormone replacement therapy. It's so sad because we don't know about this unless we're told about it. We've got no idea. Exactly. So that was what we did yesterday. We had the Facebook page up with a photo album with that and everyone started sharing it all over because people just need to know and also the women that are taking the hormone replacement right. therapy they probably have no idea it's causing cancer it's there's so many other types of therapy that are better than taking pmu i mean they they have cases where they've proven the horrible effects of taking this hormone for as a hormone replacement and doctors keep prescribing it and some doctors don't even know what makes it no. so so that's uh, maybe i'll tweet that i'll yeah, tweet no, do. that photo album because we put the pictures up and it just it just it's it's horrible to just see these mares and you know to know that they're that's their life that's all they do. The good thing is, um, I think the world is becoming a lot more aware of how horses are treated now. And they're saying, they're actually standing up and saying, no, you know what, this isn't acceptable. Right. So now right. is the time that we're seeing a lot of change in the way that they're being looked after and treated. And and we have the brook, which does amazing, amazing things to help the horses that are still working horses all around the world. And they're based in the UK. Mm-hmm. So they do incredible work. So supporting them is a great thing that people can do. But with the PMU mares, letting 
letting the world know about this, that this is going on and that people are being prescribed this. Um, in the U.S., another thing they do in January and February and March, there tends to be a whole lot of what we call nurse mare foal refuse, which is the babies, which are the product of the nurse mare foal industry. And in the thoroughbred world here, because the jockey club rules are a mare has to be live covered by a stallion in order to be have the foal registered in the jockey club book. Mm-hmm. Some of these mares' babies can be worth millions and millions of dollars at an auction, at the yearling auction. So they don't want to put that baby on a trailer with mom to go to the stallion to be bred, that that baby might get hurt. So what they do is they bring in a nurse mare for that baby, and they take it away from its mother, they bond it to the nurse mare, and the mother goes off and is bred and never goes back to her baby. That in theory, is all fine and good, but what happens to that nurse mare's baby? So again, that nurse mare's baby either becomes a hide or they dispose of them in the dump. We have groups here that go and pick them up and rescue them. Um, A wonderful place called Last Chance Corral. It's uh, close to Lexington, Kentucky, and Ohio. She goes and she'll bring trailer loads of these one-day, two-day, three-day-old babies, and they hand-feed them until they get them adopted out. It's it's just a horrible industry. And in the last 35 years, this industry has developed. And it's how, how does something like that happen? How does somebody say, oh, this is a great idea. Let's just do this. It's disgusting, so, and it's heartbreaking. There's, right. no, there's no need for it. They could sell those foals. Right. It's something we need to use the power of the internet of this community of horse lovers together to say this is enough either the jockey club can change their rules and allow for ai which every other horse you have a veterinarian there signs a document you saying that that horse semen is going into that mare it's the same as somebody standing there and lying if a different horse is covering that mm-hmm. horse so why can't they change the rules to allow for that mare to be AI'd and then she could stay with her foal? Mm. So that would save 35,000 baby horses a year probably Gosh. because they estimate it's 35 to 42,000 baby horses a year go through the nurse mare foal industry pipeline. So it's, it's, there's horrible stuff out there that we try to educate. We have a film that has been submitted to the film festival called Born to Die, which is about the nurse mare foal industry and Last Chance Corral, who's saving them. And it's just to, just to educate the public so they know that this industry is out there. We have the power to stop it. We have our voice and we have the power of masses of people coming together and saying, we're not going to go to the racetrack or we're not going to do this or we're not going to do that till you clean up your your business. Oh god Lisa, I feel like we I feel like we're so naive because we're not told about any of this information and they're not going to tell us. It's only the fact that people right. like yourself witness it, that understand it and then 
you know, we can tell somebody else and tell somebody else. And it, and eventually, like you said, the more people that know, eventually they, they we can't be ignored. We have They'll have to do something. That's the power of the film festival, because we get those stories and we get those documentaries and we are constantly talking about these issues and keeping it going so that people become educated. And they share and they share and they share their information mm-hmm. so that, you know, we can we can bring change for the horses. You know, I mean, it, it'll happen. I, right now, there's a documentary being made called Their Last Ride, which is about the horses that are going to the slaughter because the woman who's making the film is a Native American. She lives on the road right outside of Texas going into Mexico where all of the semi-trailers full of horses go as they go to the slaughterhouse. Mm. And it just kept breaking her heart to see those horses going by and by and by. And so now she's making this beautiful documentary called Their Last Ride. So we take the trailer to all our different tour stops. We make film festival tour stops all over during the year where we show groups of films in different locations. Um, We're going to be in Germany and in France this year. And so we take those trailers so people can see that, you know, five minutes worth of film before it becomes a a full length movie. Are you coming to the UK? Not yet. We, what happens, someone says we want to bring you there and they make, find a way to help make us make it happen. So I'll help you. Okay. We'll well, bring you to the UK. Definitely. Because you've got so many amazing movies that we, we would love to see. Right. We'll come. I'll bring them. I'll pack them in the suitcase. It's an easy (laughs) film festival to take. And I've got filmmakers there. So we had films from 20 different countries last year. Oh, awesome. In the meantime, though, your platform of where on, online of where we can watch some of these movies, when's that going to? Hopefully within the next three or four months. Oh, awesome. Really soon then. Yeah, we're working on it right now. It'll be attached. You'll be able to get there from our Facebook page and from our website. So just one more time then. Your website is equusfilmfestival.net. Dot net. And your Facebook page is forward slash equusfilmfestival. Mm-hmm. And your Twitter is at NYC. Yes. Perfect. Thank you so much, Lisa. Good luck oh, with everything. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Would you like exclusive Horse Hour episodes directly through to your mobile phone every month? You can hear interviews with Gemma Tattersall, Mark Todd, Oliver Townend, Izzy Taylor, Heather Bennett, the great British paradressage rider, and newcomers, you know, inspirational stories of people starting out, like Libby Head from the USA, whose debut was at badminton. You also get to hear advice and tips from industry experts, where we go into detail finding the best solutions for your horse. Acast Plus is only $3.99 a month. I'm so excited. Can't wait for you to hear some of these interviews. Just subscribe to Horse Hour on Acast Plus. I'll speak to you soon. You've been listening to Horse Hour. Join the community on Twitter, Mondays, 8pm UK time, 3pm Eastern by using the hashtag Horse Hour. Follow Amy at AmyStevenson1 and subscribe to us on Acast, iTunes, Stitcher and Player FM. Mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.